Hello, and welcome to the Harvest Podcast brought to you by The Field in Charlotte, North Carolina. Here at The Field, we put love into action. We hope you are blessed by these previous sermons by Reverend Dr. Peter M. Wary. Please be sure to subscribe and leave a comment on whichever podcast platform you use. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and YouTube at Mayfield Memorial Missionary Baptist Church and Instagram at The Field CLT. Come on, anybody going to trust Jesus this morning? Hallelujah. God, we trust you. I will trust in you. I will trust in you. I will trust in you. I will. I will. I will trust in you. I will trust in you. I will trust in you. I will. Say I will, I will trust in you, yes. I will trust in you. I will trust in you. You say I will. I will. I will. You're the 
God, we bless God for the opportunity to be here. I thank God for just being able to stand before you all this morning. And I give honor to our pastor, um, Dr. Larry, just for trusting me enough to let me be here. So we just thank God for that. And mom is in the house. <laughs> so we love that she's here um, and we just honor God. So if you would just turn with me to the book of James, we'll be coming from James, the first chapter. Um, we're coming from the second through the fourth verse. And it reads from the Good News Translation. My friends, consider yourselves fortunate when all kinds of trials come your way. For you know that when your faith succeeds in facing such trials, the result is the ability to endure. Make sure that your endurance carries you all the way without failing, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Consecrate me now, God, to thy service, dear Lord, by the power of grace divine. Let my soul look up with a steadfast hope and my will be lost in thine. God, we thank you just for speaking to me. God, we pray that you speak through me. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you would, just pray with me for a few minutes as we come from the topic, the power of the process. Now, when I was in high school, I was actually recruited by one of the coaches of the track and field team to become a shot put and discus thrower. Now, if you don't know anything about track and discus uh, or track and field, the shot put is the big metal ball that you put on your shoulder and throw it as far as you possibly can. The discus is the round metal disc. It's kind of flat, looks like a metal pancake that you twirl around in a circle and just fling it as far as you possibly can. Now, in order for me to actually do this, I had to start strength training. And a lot of times it was me a couple of the girls on the track team and the football team in the weight room at the same time. Now, in order to strength train, it required me to start lifting weights. I had never lifted weights before, so I had to learn proper form. I had to learn how to do things, you know, with the reps and, and making sure that I was doing it right so I wouldn't hurt myself. And the more that you actually repeated the movements with the correct form, the stronger you would become. Now, there were times when I would have to have what we call a spotter. 
and I usually needed a spotter when I was using heavier weight than I was used to or trying to increase my strength and doing something like a max out, which means that you try to lift the heaviest weight you possibly can at least one time. So life in this particular passage mirrors a lot strength training. It's pretty much cut and dry. It's just a lot like strength training. Now, what I want you to understand is that God never promised us that our lives would be easy. As a matter of fact, we are told in Job that our days are full of trouble and it's few days that we're on earth. Many of us, or for many of us, accepting the gift of salvation is the easy part. Keeping that salvation and not handing that gift back is a dog of another breed. Now, there are times when we go through things that we feel like we're the only ones at rock bottom. We feel like we're the only ones going through, we're the only ones that are heartbroken, we're the only ones that are hurt, the only ones that are sick, the only ones that are lonely, and everybody around us looks like they're doing well while we watch. That was me all this week. I was weak. Okay, my heart and mind were under attack and I was deep in my feelings, y'all. And I was angry and frustrated about some things that hadn't really gone the way that I had hoped. I sat there, I reflected on things that I wished that I had, places that I wished I would be, or places that I thought I would be by now. And the enemy just started to attack me right where I was. But it was when I started studying for this particular message that James got me all the way together. In the words of Dr. Peter Wary, there were some pearl snatching moments happening <laughs> during this study. And I believe that what I'm going to share with you today is going to bless you real good. The scripture references for this morning offer us some encouragement as we journey through a different walk of life for each and every one of us. Some of you have been slammed with calamity after calamity and storm after storm, and yet and still you manage to rally the strength and courage to get out of bed every morning and face another day. But the Lord has sent me to tell you this morning that it's not what you're going through, but it's the purpose of what you're facing and what you are developing while you wait. Verse 2 says to consider yourselves fortunate when all kinds of trials come your way. Look for the silver lining, in other words. See the why beyond the what of the tests that are pelting you from every direction. Instead of asking why me, instead ask what for. When James speaks of diversity of the temptations that we face, it's extremely important that we realize that James is not talking about being tempted to sin. Around the 13th and 14th verse of chapter 1, James tells us that we should not attribute these solicitations to sin to God because God has no inner desire to do wrong, nor is he the source of those desires. On the contrary, James is talking about the bliss of test that we face from one day to the next. The temptations mentioned here refer to the trials and the tests of one's fidelity, integrity, virtue, and constancy. You see, James tells us to see them for the growth opportunities that they truly are. 
and how we ought to go about passing the time while we're being reformed in the refiner's fire and prepared for his specific use. So let's make it live. James directs us to consider our being peppered with many different kinds of trials and tests as an occasion or cause for joy. James teaches us how to prime the faith pump, so to speak. You have to upgrade your perception of what you see that is happening. And when you upgrade your perception, you can better define what you see and then understand what is really being presented. Now, when my nephew was younger, my nephew was scared of the dark. And more so, he was scared of the shadows from the lights or the, the night lights that would show up on the walls from things in the dark. Now, what would happen is, is we actually would see or we used to play this game where you had this flashlight and you would put an object in front of the light and it would actually put the shadow of something much bigger on the wall. Well, a lot of times what you saw on the wall was a lot more scary than what was actually reflecting or projecting the light. That's the way the enemy works. Satan is not about working hard. He's all about working smart. And he is not about to do more than he has to do in order to get the job done. Most of the time, he uses the believer to handle his light work when it comes down to our own defeat. What? Right. He uses you by putting you up against yourself. He already knows that we are our own worst enemies. So he leverages our own energy as he overstimulates our emotions by blowing our situations out of proportion, at which point our own mind begins to dismantle and destroy our conviction in what God has already promised us. But if you take control of your mind and change the way you think about your struggles, then you can help facilitate the strength and conditioning of your faith as it concerns your struggles. Remember, we talked about strength training before, and this is the same thing. So instead of seeing your trial as an opportunity to give up, instead of seeing your heartache as an opportunity to quit, instead of seeing your sickness as an open invitation to die, when you take control of your mind, you can begin to consider an opportunity to give God praise. Whenever your enemies come upon you to eat of your flesh, as soon as you are hit with afflictions, no matter how long you're in your tribulations, all you have to do is invite God to be in the midst of it. Whenever you see the opportunity to invite the Lord into the midst of your problems, the byproduct of changing how you see your trials is actually changing how you speak about it. Where pessimism once lived, positivity and praise can now begin to reside. And if God inhabits the praises of Israel, that tells me that God takes up residence in your praise. And when you start praising in your trials, God starts to rearrange some stuff. And because I understand that the Lord likes a clean house and he's not about to just lay around in your junk, when he takes up residence in your worship, he'll commence the cleaning house. So when you're going through, it's up to you to take control of your thoughts and glorify God that the devil and understand that the devil is not just getting ready to leave you with your peace of mind. You have to take it back and you have to change how you're thinking and speaking about the different kinds of trials that you're facing. 
And I can hear you now. Some of you are saying, so Pastor La, what is it that, or why is it that we should re-actually consider or consider ourselves fortunate when we're being blindsided, ambushed, and overrun by these different kinds of trials? Well, I'm glad you asked. The first reason is because these trials result in a different kind of ability. Verse 3 tells us this. For you know that when your faith succeeds in facing such trials, the result is the ability to endure. Now, I mentioned before the spider. Sometimes when you're going through your strength training routine, you have to actually have a little help. You may be able to lift the weight, but maybe you've lifted it so many times before that it's getting a little harder to get the reps out in the proper form. So what happens is, is that you have to have a spotter to either stand behind you or stand over you to physically help you to lift the weight to wherever the weight is going to be. That is the way the Holy Spirit works. So when we're looking in um, at endurance, endurance is the ability or the capacity to withstand hardship or adversity. Faith is, as Hebrew 11 and 1 says, to have faith is to be sure of the things we hope for, to be certain of the things we can't see. The NKJV says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So what this verse is telling me is that when whatever I'm sure of, the things that I'm hoping for, the things that I'm sure of, and the things that I'm certain of that I can't see, when they succeed or when they meet the aim for facing or requiring something out of the trials that come my way, then the result is the ability to endure. Now, one thing that I saw when I looked at this verse is that it says, for you know that when your faith succeeds. The fact that it includes the word when tells me that my faith is not always going to do what I want my faith to do because I have to use it. So if I fail to use it, then there are going to be times when I don't make, when I don't make the mark. Sometimes I'm going to miss it. Sometimes I may not be able to lift the weight. Sometimes I'm going to drop it. Sometimes it's just not going to work out like I thought it would work out. But what happens is the more your trials are faced by your faith, the stronger your faith becomes. So when you go into looking at the capacity to accomplish something, which is the ability, and you look at the fact that the ability is what's coming from practicing the use of your faith, you get to understand that if the result is the ability to endure, then the ability to endure and actually enduring are two different things. Enduring is the act or instance of suffering many hardships. In essence, it is the practiced or repeated use of your ability to endure. But endurance is not something that you just wake up one day and have. Your endurance is something that your trials build. To build is, is to construct by assembling or joining parts or materials together. So that means that building is a process. And a process is a series of actions, changes, or functions that bring about a result. So if a process is a series of actions and building is a process, then that means that the process of building your endurance is not a microwave phenomenon. It isn't an instantaneous thing. It's going to take some time. And your endurance is a work in progress. So the repeated practice of enduring 
is how you are supposed to strengthen that. The other reason to consider yourself fortunate when dealing with different kinds of trials is they equipped us to harness the power of the process. Verse 4 says, make sure that your endurance carries you all the way without failing so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Now, up to this point, we have acquired the ability to endure and we've been repeatedly practicing that ability with these different kinds of trials and something amazing has started to happen. We said before that enduring is the act or the instance of suffering many hardships, but when we committed to the practice of enduring it, when we started to do it repeatedly, it transformed into a subconscious act of suffering many hardships to the adaptation of permanence or the duration of a thing. So what that means is, is when you practice enduring to the point of subconscious execution, enduring becomes a habit. And when enduring becomes a habit, that means enduring becomes endure rents. And you begin to change. You develop what I like to call a superpower. You develop staying power. Staying power makes you heat resistant. You become less prone to hopping out of the refiner's fire when the block gets too hot. Staying power gives you special vision. You start to see through things that are coming at you. You start to understand what they really are when they come your way. Staying power deepens your voice and allows you to speak with more authority that you are not easily intimidated or moved by what you are used to seeing. Staying power settles your feet. You stop running and boldly plant your victory flag in the soil of the victory trials tried to steal. What happens in the refiner's fire is when the refiner gets ready to purify whatever he's refining, he heats it up. That's what trials do. They keep you hot. They keep you moving. They keep you on your toes. But what happens is, is that the hotter the fire gets, there are impurities that come out of that metal and they rise to the top. And what happens is the refiner smooths them off and he keeps repeating this process until the metal is so pure that he can see his reflection in it. So when God is purifying you and refining you with trials so that you may be whole, so that you may be lacking nothing, so that you may be mature and complete, it's so that he can see his face in your face. It's so that he can see himself in you. Now, I can't speak for you, but there comes a time while I'm holding on to my faith, while I'm standing on the word of God, while I'm pressing toward the upward way that Satan gut punches me one too many times and I just get too weak to keep getting back up. I just get sick and tired of being sick and tired. I try to keep my mind in the right place and I begin to fail in my well-doing. I begin to slow up my faithfulness and I just can't seem to get a prayer through. And it seems like the only thing hearing my inner dialogue is my own inner ear. I try to keep pressing toward the mark, but I start to feel like I'm running in water with cement shoes on, moving real hard, but getting nowhere fast. But it's right when I need to get my second wind that I hear Brother James whisper in my ear, and he reminds me that I shall be perfect and complete if I don't fail in my endurance. But the significant portion of this conditional promise lies in getting through the trials. Remember that I said that it's a process, it's a series of actions and changes and functions that bring about a result. 
Now, a crisis is a stage in a process at which the trend for all future events is determined for better or for worse. Somebody shouts turning point. Yes, you have experienced a dramatic upheaval in your life, but you had to get to this stage so that you could get through this stage in order to get to your turning point. Now, this is where God will either make your day or he will break your heart. But the process that brought you to this point has built in you the ability that you need to sustain you past your crisis. There were some things that God couldn't trust you with because you couldn't yet handle them. We didn't fall far enough. We hadn't made it to our crisis yet. We hadn't reached the turning point. But now God is about to do something in somebody's life that will literally blow your mind. You've been wondering why you were getting hit so hard. You cried more than you ever cried before. You hurt more than you ever hurt before. This crisis that you're facing, this turmoil that you're facing, this calamity that you're enduring, this burden that you are bearing is just the turning point in your process and God is about to change your life. People with endurance are people that can be trusted in the process. God allows you to be tossed with the issues, the mess, and the garbage you go through because of two reasons. Number one, he has already strengthened you to the point where you can go through and you're going through now so he can trust you to remain faithful. Number two, he can use your response to your trials to reinforce and strengthen the skills and the knowledge that you already have so that he can grow you up in the process of working all these things together for your good. That is why your process is so important. That's why you have to be patient and endure. Your endurance will grow you to the maturity that you will need to carry you beyond your crisis and pull out the power of your process. You see, God has a need for you, and he is strengthening you and molding you into someone that he can use as he sees fit. But you have to believe in your heart of hearts that all the hell that you're going through is nothing compared to God's purpose for you. If you know that, you just have to believe that God has already reached down from his throne of grace. And just because he doesn't yank you out of situations does not mean that he is not in control. So just remember that God is refining you to maturity and wholeness where you lack absolutely nothing. But you don't have to take my word for it. Let's call a couple of witnesses. Come here, Esther. You were yanked from your family. You were taken to the palace of the king where you were bathed in oils and perfume in order that the king would be pleased with you. And one night with the king changed your life forever. You woke up the next morning queen in Vashti's place. But your process wasn't over. You and your people faced the threat of genocide at the hands of Haman. Haman and his family were driving you nuts your people cried out to you for help and you answered with an action that it could have cost you your life Esther they tell me that you went before the king unsummoned and your audience with the king saved the lives of you and your people because you were patient and pulled on the power of your process your character gained you favor that a banging body and a pretty face couldn't get you but just in case Esther's process ain't enough let me call on somebody else. Come on down, big brother Job. You had everything a man could ever need and more. And you had money and animals and servants, a beautiful wife, 10 children. But Job, I understand that God volunteered you for a process. 
God allowed Satan to rob you of everything that you had, but you were patient in your process. He took all of your children, all of your cattle, all of your riches, and even your good health. But you were patient and pulled on the, pro the, the power of your process. And Job, because you were patient, because you pulled on the power in your process, because you allowed God to build your character, you came through your crisis with double for your trouble. The hell you went through wasn't nothing compared to the purpose that God had for you. But just in case Job's process still wasn't good enough, let me call on one more person. Come here, Jesus. Your process was the most important process of all time. Our Father God sent you down from heaven, from the heavenly throne. He wrapped you in humanity. The Spirit of the Lord was upon you, and he anointed you to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent you to heal the brokenhearted, and he sent you to preach deliverance to the captives and the recovering of the sight to the blind. The Spirit of the Lord sent you to set free them that are bruised. You preached repentance in the name of God you walked upright in the face of temptation and you were patient in your process and Jesus because of your character you were the only person pure enough to take on this sinner's burden you were submitted to betrayal and arrest you were patient in your process you were submitted to scourging for the remission of my sins, but you were patient in your process. You were mocked and beaten for my iniquities. Thank you, Jesus. But your character carried you through. You were lifted up between two thieves that I could be redeemed. You were crucified on an old rugged cross, but there you were patient in your process. And because you were patient, your character carried you through to your turning point. See, your crisis was death that I might Live. You met with your crisis about three o'clock in the afternoon, but three days later you rose with all power in your hand. You took the keys of hell and death and the grave. Death had no more dominion over you, and you began because you got up. I said because you got up, I have eternal life. Be patient in your process. so hard and so heavy some of you are generational curse breakers some of you are the only person that is going to make the heirs and the generations that come after you worth living for and the enemy knows exactly what kind of impact that is going to have on his kingdom so he fights it every chance he gets every time you determine to do something right He'll come at you with the temptation to do something wrong. Every time you decide to do something that's going to change your family for the better, he sends something to make you feel like only your family is getting worse. But I promise you, if you endure and pull on the power in your process, that God will change your life. He is using you. He is building you. He is, he is, he is developing you for a specific use that he has for you. 
And all you have to do is endure. All you have to do is stick with it. All you have to do is change the way you look at some things. When you change the way you look at some things, you'll change the way you talk about some things. Sometimes what you're going through is a matter of what you have spoken into existence. And because you decide that you're gonna let the power of life and death that is in your tongue build a life that you don't wanna live, that is the reason why you're going through some of the hell you're going through. But I dare you to turn that thing around. I dare you to speak those things that be not as though they are. I dare you to speak the word of God over your life. I dare you to speak the promises that God says that he has for you over your life. I dare you to regurgitate to God everything that he says about you. And everything that he says about you is going to be the basis of the power that you walk in. Sometimes it's not about hearing. Sometimes it's about knowing who you are. Some people will tell you any and everything about who you're supposed to be. But when you know who you are in the Lord, when you know who he has designed you to be, when you know what you are destined for, life will never be the same. You walk different. You talk different. Your boldness is different. I don't care what you say about me. I know who my daddy is. I know what I can do. I know what I'm built for. I know what I'm called to be. I know who I'm supposed to be. I know what I'm supposed to deliver. I know what I'm supposed to build. I know what I'm supposed to, what I'm supposed to do. There is nothing that I can't do because the Jesus that lives in me is better and bigger than anything that is in this world. So I dare you to pull on who God says you are when everything looks like it's falling down around you. Remember who God said you were gonna be. It's about having the surety of what you know. And it's about having substance of the things that you hope for. I may not be able to see it, but I know what God promised. It may not look like what he said, but I know what God promised. It may not sound like what he said it was gonna sound like, but I know what God promised. I know what he promised, and I'm standing on that. I'm standing on that. Yeah. For those of you who are praying for your children, you're praying for your family, you're praying for your loved ones, some, some of you are even praying for yourself. You don't know how to get it right. God, you just, know, you just know, God, I want something different. God, I know this is not what I'm supposed to be. I know this is not how I'm supposed to live my life. I know that this is not what's supposed to be going on with me. I know that my children are supposed to be further alone. God, I've been praying for my children. I've been praying for my husband. I've been praying for this. I've been praying for that. And it looks like it's not going to happen. But I promise you, keep praying. It's going to happen. Because God is not a man that he should lie and I dare you to stand on his word for those of you who do not know Christ in the free pardon of your sin all you have to do is make the decision that you want to receive his salvation as your gift you can use the hashtag #FieldMeCLT, and somebody will reach out to you to tell you what you need to do next but we want to welcome you into a family that will show you the love of Christ.
We're not here to beat you down. Christ is not here to beat you down, but we want to help you. We want to help you, and we want to welcome you into the family. So again, feel me, CLT. Use the hashtag. We'll reach out to you. We want to love on you and welcome you into the family. Amen. Amen. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust you. so much for the opportunity to stand and share your word God we pray that you would just keep us all you know on the time that we come back God and we pray that you would just keep us until that time of course in Jesus name we pray that when we go and we come back that we find everything as we left it or a better condition and we thank you for your keeping powers in Jesus name amen Thank you for listening to the Harvest Podcast. We pray that the message uplifted, encouraged, and challenged you as you continue to walk with God. If you're looking for a church home, the field is not confined by the four walls of the church. If you wish to become a partner in ministry, but more importantly, a member of this global family, simply click the link in the channel page.